0: Hello and welcome to the latest from Heart Standard. My name is Joel Sked and I am joined on this occasion, as most
1: occasions, by James Kearney. How's it going, James? I'm um, very well, thanks. Didn't bad, Doing not bad. How are you getting on?
0: Yeah, good, good. Uh no complaints. Uh what are we going to talk about oh yes I know what we're going to talk about the meet the manager or meet the management team event that was held in the Gorgie Suites at as park on Wednesday night it was organized by Foundation of Hearts and it was uh an event I think maybe probably the first of few where the club are essentially trying to bring their fans the the pledgers the owners closer to, to the club and I know last night uh, Stephen Naismith was really keen to do it he wanted to get that engagement from the fans to kind of help them understand what the management team are trying to do what direction they are trying to take the team in and it was yeah it was a fascinating night thoroughly enjoyed it I thought it was a pretty impressive presentation it was across 90 minutes it was so basically Stephen Naismith presented uh, kind of slides looked at how they how they train how they prepare for training how they analyze games how they prepare for facing teams They look at they looked at stats player pathways uh, player pathway from 18s to b team to the first team and then there were some questions from robert boffrick who was hosting the event and then opened up to a q and a and i think this is not just hearts specific but I think a lot of clubs you think oh no there's a queue with fans there's going to be some daft questions but it was actually the, the questions were were absolutely brilliant uh, by and large they were, they were spot on in terms of what the night was about it was there was a lot of kind of analytical or, or questions which were based around what the what Stephen Naismith presented. So obviously I've put up a big piece on the site fully kind of tried to get as much detail in, in there as possible to see what uh, to kind of just um, for those who weren't able to make it to kind of give an idea of what was discussed and, and why. Having read it James what, <clears throat> so because we'll, we'll look at kind of the biggest, uh, the most interesting takeaways from it, maybe get five or six but I've got a few in mind, but from uh, from yourself, who read it earlier on, was there anything that stood out for you?
1: <clears throat> um, well, just, first off, I should just say I'm just goddamn i not a Foundation member, because like nights like that, are, that's right up my street. Those are the kind of you know, things that I absolutely adore. Um, and, um, yeah, I was very jealous I didn't get to go along. But, thankfully, yeah, I've read your piece, so I've had a decent idea of what was spoken about. Um, I just think, in general, I think that nights like these are really good i think they're really helpful for like you say just helping fans to understand what is that's going on open up that dialogue between the management team and and the supporters and it definitely helps the fact that the team are in a good position as well yeah. you know if you if you hold this meeting in october say it, it's maybe a bit different it's maybe not quite as um uh that maybe maybe that, at that point the q a does get uh, towards the end maybe gets a wee bit mad but you know like, yeah. like you say i think i think these kind of things i think they are good and i think you know I've been to ones before where you know when the team aren't when a team isn't playing well when they do these kind of nights and it doesn't work out and it's not really it's basically just a queue of people lining up just to shout at the manager for a bit by yeah. all accounts this this was not that so that's nice that's always good off straight off the bat Um certainly I think the t- team's recent form obviously Nathan's got a good, good bit of credit in the bank with, with supporters because of that especially the win over Celtic the win over Hibs recently of course um so yeah look, look, looking through it um it was I, I think just one of the things that of stood out to me, so this might be flippant or it might just be a silly point, but I was just really impressed that they use a drone um, for all their all their training sessions. They use a drone and then they watch the footage back. But just because obviously it's in Orion, so you think it must be quite dangerous flying a, a drone around indoors like that, you know, because those things can go quite fast and they've got a bit of weight to them. And- <laughs> Oh, you're you on mute, Joe. You've muted yourself somehow.
0: Sorry, sorry. I've i uh, myself to try and uh, take t- so take a drink of water, so you will have to hear that. Uh, they, so at the there's uh, mostly uh, they mostly train outside. So ah, that's, okay, that makes a lot more sense. There's there's, there's, <laughs> there's an in, there's an indoor there's an indoor training facility, but they only usually use that when the weather is really bad, or if they maybe want to use it for the for the Astros. So yeah, they've got the they've got the drone, which uh, was which good because that's that's how the, the, the clips. That were shown last night vast majority i think all of them were from from the drone uh so i, it's, I I'd, I'd imagine it's something that's used um around world football like getting you know, yeah. bigger clubs have managed to give that kind of bird's eye view but that's it it's just how it, it struck it struck me how much detail goes into the training Is the fact that they use the uh, they use the drone to then allows the management team to watch back all training sessions then it helps. Then they take clips. So usually it's just like uh, the it's like things like like the the drone. The, you just imagine using the clips from games as analysis, but they actually use mm-hmm. clips from training to then uh, kind of educate the players or the um, or to kind of develop training for for like any kind of future. And it was I found it I found it interesting that the clip things up and send them out to players via whatsapp as well
1: yeah i like that i like that again it's just i like the idea of being like oh it's more the kind of social side of it of going like oh Joe, i've noticed this thing about this player's game that's something they could be doing and just sending them on whatsapp being like the we look at that you know we'll talk about it tomorrow and when, when we're in training or whatever i just like i like that i really like that idea of just the individual nature of it and um, just constantly just giving players little tips and just making the most of things that like whatsapp that obviously you know, you go back ten years ago, didn't really exist, or you know, you, you couldn't do that. So I think that's quite nice. You know, so um, uh, yeah, the drone, the drone things certainly jumped out at me. So that was quite a nice touch. Um, the other thing as well, to be honest, was the way that the, the the kind of division of labour amongst the the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I think it was Nathan nice was saying that he focuses primarily on the team. All the team does on the ball. And then, is it Gordon Forrest is mainly I mean, on the yeah. uh, out of possession, and with Frankie McAvoy mainly focusing on set pieces? Um, it's an interesting way to, to kind of divide up the labor, uh, the labor and it's also interesting to pub- publicly do that because now, if, you know, for instance, set pieces have been quite good recently, so, you know, Frankie McAvoy can get a lot of credit there, but yeah, yeah. Or you know, going rubbish, or this doesn't really work, or, you know, the team are struggling in possession. People are going to go, well, Naysom, that that's your job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not working. So um, I, I do wonder if uh, maybe I'll leave it down the line they might uh, regret being quite quite so public about, about the, the, saying who, who's in charge of what and all that kind of stuff but i thought it was, i did find that really interesting though
0: yeah i definitely find that because you, you look at like fans will look at it and go like what's what does x y and eh, what does x do what does Z do mm-hmm. just the, the expectation the head coach does everything or is eh, hands-on and it seems nice with his very hands-on he oversees a lot plenty of work goes into the detail but then within that, there's there's kind of delegation like, uh, to, with, with Forrest with the um, out of possession and and McElroy with with set play, so we don't have to actually do do everything. And I kind of showed that there was the I think there's suspicion around the assistance that Nace with whether there were forces upon him. But it mm. does like again last night, kind of just hammered home that. Uh, these, he wanted these guys to be part of his 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 team, his structure, and with merit behind it rather than just uh, kind of a token gesture. That right, I want him to do X. I want him to do Y, and I'll do I'll do Z as well. the The big thing for one of the things for me was the was the way he talked about Aiden Denham and. One of, the questions, I think one of the first, I think it was the first question that came up from the Q&A was, uh, was a woman, she was asking about goals. And because it was the, the final question before that was about Shankland. And then she talked to just about how, the fact that it's Shankland in 18, Vargas mm-hmm. on three, all goals on three, and about getting up, uh, getting goals from elsewhere. And she mentioned about how Hearts, they always like a, a midfielder, being able to pop up with goals. Talked about Paul Hartley before Colin Cameron. Before Naismith talked about the he felt that the middle to so they can attack in third, that that's where probably hearts have their most. Uh, it's like in, in football terms, immature uh, players where there's a lot more inconsistency, the guys are not at their peak. He said about Barry McKay being missing, Liam Boyce being missing, but that he talked about Denham as being able to score goals from his field because his timing of forward runs is excellent. which would be a massive will be a massive help uh, to the would be a massive help to the um, to the team and it's. It's something that naismith has been trying to do with Denham and he's trying to put him in different positions. Cause right at the start of the season we saw him use largely he was playing as a six basically against mm-hmm. Rosenberg and against Dundee. And that's what we kind of thought of him he's just going to be a guy who recycled possession. Then we saw him play right wing back for the Scotland 21s, but he's been moved around in training and that's he's been used as a number ten, for example. But you look at his you look at his attributes and qualities, you actually see him as probably as a kind of number eight all action
1: player. I would I would think so, yeah, kind of box to box. Certainly someone making those kind of forward runs. Um I, I think the part of it as well is just the idea of like playing these players in different positions. It's just so they've got a better understanding of what's going on in the football pitch elsewhere. You know, if you play a 90 minutes at right wing back, for instance, you know, you've got a perfect understanding of if if your mid, if your centre mid's not getting close to you and that pass isn't on, like how it can all fall apart and you know why it's so important you do that. So there's little things like that, I think, that come from just little lessons that come from just playing Nine minutes here, nine minutes there and you, again it just gives you a better understanding of the role so that when you're not playing in it, um, you understand exactly what everyone else is meant to be doing, how it all works, how it all clicks together. So I think it, particularly when you're a young player, I think having those um, games where you are played kind of out of position or tried out in different areas, I think that's a big long term, it's really beneficial and it does mm. might mean in the short term that yeah you might have a player, um, for instance like Denham playing in the number six position, say at Dundee and it doesn't go right and then you make mistakes and but that's all right though because you learn from that and you go you move on from it so it's those things where yeah long term it's good short term yeah it, as we saw it can you know mistakes can happen that's all right though because then it means that next time he's playing as as that number eight he's got a better understanding of what someone like Benny Benningham is doing behind him for instance so yeah yeah no, I think um yeah that probably is what you'd imagine because he's got so much energy as well you know it'd be wasted if he's just kind of Standing around and not just like going, getting involved in running all of the park because he's got so much energy and so much enthusiasm, um, and I do think that you're right. He probably needs to be getting forward a little bit more and doing it a bit more regularly. But I think when you look at his skill set and what he can do, that kind of box to box guy, that guy who's going to run beyond the midfield, make those late runs to the onto the edge of the area, I think Denham could do that absolutely.
0: We, we saw it against we saw it against St Mirren, how he was how heavily involved he was getting in the in the final mm. third. So he went close with a shot in the first half, and he said after the afterwards when we were interviewing him that he feels the team don't take enough shots from outside the box, and mm. that's something he would he would like to do more. which again, is is encouraging, even though I think Naismith is preferably uh, prefers hearts to work it into a situation where it's oh. a better clear a clearer shot.
1: I was going to say, I, I'm with Naismith on that one. I, I don't like, I, I, you know, everyone likes watching goals go in from my way. I, mean, I think I said the other day that Alan goal going the Derby was my favourite Hearts goal this season. But, you know, they're, you know, in terms of, you know, again, people will roll their eyes and call me unhaired, fine. But, you know, they're really low probability. You know, most of them don't go in, so it's a bad idea. You know, if you can yeah. take like another couple of passes, you can get a great shot rather than rushing it and hitting an okay one. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, I, obviously, it, it's aesthetically nice to watch. Guys pinging it in from miles out—it's always great. But yeah, I'm I, 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 with Nathan. You know, I'd much rather score a tap in from you know six yards out than sky over the bar from thirty yards. <laughs> uh, Graham mentions
0: one is that was really interested in the part about the young players, and it was something that you touched on with uh, Denham in that you talked about moving around positions to get a better understanding of what is expected of each player, but also the mistakes and Next we've talked about it. He's quite passionate about it. Is that young players have to make mistakes when they come in. They they learn from it, and it's not the end of their career. They come out. That's there's going to be bumps in the road for for young players. There's a real there's a real desire to bring through young players, and they showed that twenty two players have trained with the first team since they took over. Nine have gone on to uh, go make uh, appearances on the bench. In competitive games, and two in Macaulay Tate and Aidan Denham have, I've uh, made the league debut, so there is a real concerted effort to get players in the team. And touching on that, it was encouraging that some of the GPS data that the that Hearts put out, two players that really stood out were Finley Pollock and Macaulay Tate in terms of the number of kind of number of sprints they were uh, making, the number of, the, the the distance they were covering with. Uh, what was it called? Uh, I've got to, I've got to hear what did they call it? It was uh, high like high speed running distance Finley, uh, Finley, pollock and we call it Tate covered uh, some of the like most distance um, and in terms of max velocity covering metres per second so just kind of like speed Tate was the was the highest followed by followed by Pollock and I know this is something that Hearts are wanting to do with the young players is get more athleticism in mm. the young players have them so they're strong, strong runners because you go, you look down south, and if Hearts want to sell players, where and most likely will be down south where they get the most money. Championship clubs, Premier League clubs want guys who can run, so it was it was interesting to see that Pollock and Tate were so high up because you look at you look at Macaulay Tate, you're like, well, I imagine he's he's pretty slow, he's just like a, a, a kind of number six ball playing midfielder, but Nathan we've talked about him that. He needs to be quicker than everybody else because of his size. That he's he can't get, inv- uh, can't get involved in a physical battle, so he has to be quicker both in between, uh, in his head and movement as well. So that was something that that, that really stood out for me when you were looking kind of deep into the uh, the GPS data that Pollock and Tate were scoring so high.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, part, part of it's probably just down to I maybe mean, it's a Silly point, but you know, just they're young guys eager yeah. to make an impression. You know, they probably are given that extra few percent more than maybe other guys are just because it does you know, if you're trying to break into the first team, you are going to be trying that a little bit harder. I think that's natural. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting point to make that you know, these are, and particularly somebody like Tate, who you think, you know, that's not his game. You know, he's not like a winger, he's not, it's not his job to go sprinting and after the ball into, into big open spaces all the time. You know, he's, he's there to work in small, tight areas. Um, so again, yeah, it's another strength to his bone, like you say, because of his, his like kind of physical profile, because of his stature, like, yeah, he does have to play differently. He can't get into get drawn into a physical battle. He's not like someone like Beningame who <clears throat> you know can get the ball under pressure, can ho- use his body, you know, get in the way, and you know, and like really kind of de- defeat an opponent that way. He, that's not his kind of player. He's not that kind of player. So no, yeah, I think you know certainly Denim and obvious uh, de- obviously. Like, um, kind of poster boy from the academy for this season so far. Tate, I think we'll probably will end up seeing more of him as the season goes on, um, just because as I've said before, Hearts don't really have another number six. Not really. He's probably the closest thing you can find. Um, and the Hearts, I'd imagine, for most games between now and the end of the season will be playing with a number six. So, you know, just I think he will get more minutes that way. So, it'll be, I still think we could definitely see, see a wee bit more of him, but I do think, yeah, like you said, there's these two players have gone on to make their debuts. There are a lot that have been on the bench they you know, obviously considered good enough to play in the premiership should it should it come to it, if there's an injury or whatever. So I think it is encouraging, but it's one of these things where it just takes time, there's just absolutely no shortcut with it. You know, yeah. and like you know, that, that's the reason you know, hearts have invested all this money in the B team though. if you're you know, you need to have players getting making a step up and supplementing the first team squad because if they're not if that's not happening, there's no point in having a B team, is there?
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely and that's that's something that Nash said to me when I spoke to him a few weeks ago was that the B uh, the B team could win the Lone League five five years in a row, but if they don't produce anything for the first team, then it's it's failed. And yeah. I do think that longer term they need to I think they are wary about it comes to a point where the, it's about trying to bridge that next gap because we've seen it with Mackenzie Kirk that he scored all these goals in the league, but he's not ready for the first team. He has to go, has to go out alone to to Hamilton, and it's it's about that. I mean, Frankie McAvoy talked about it. Called uh, talked about politics with the with the B teams and how it's the, the the B teams or Cokes are viewed compared to in Europe. I've certainly been quite vocal in the past about not wanting B teams in the in the pyramid. Just because I just think that's Scottish football's got a certain tradition, but then when you just put your tinted spectacles on and nothing else, then you can say, "Yeah, let's just get them in the get them in League Two, get them in League One, so they're competing at, the, at this level." So yeah, it'll be interesting to see in, interesting to see how that how that develops over time. Was there anything else that, that stood out for you?
1: Um, I, I suppose there was one bit as well where I think it was when Neesmith was talking about. I think it was, was Naismith was, was talking about recruitment. And you're saying that he wants to get to the point where quite hard sign a player you know they, they get that well i think he said they get six months basically to yeah. settle in adapt acclimatize and then from that point on that's when you can really start expecting to start making a, a big impact in the first team um certainly when you look at the summer signings this uh from this season you you'd imagine that's you know you'd hope that's the case for most of them i think frankie can't obvious exception but after that you look at guys like vargas um Tagawa as well, who's not He's not really played much at all. Um Nuenhof as well to an extent, you know, guys have come in and they've been alright, but they've not really quite kicked on yet. They've not quite shown exactly um what they've brought what they can bring to this team. So I think that it's interesting to see that yeah that that's a thing where um Nespa seems quite confident that that in time that will come and that to get that little bedding in period because we've seen with, particularly with guys like Tagawa I think he's the most obvious example of someone who has come in and he has struggled to the in, and mm-hmm. he's not been getting much uh, much in the way of game time as a result of that so I, 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 I did think that was interesting because I know as well particularly you know you see hearts fans online and they say they want you know like um, players like first team players ready to come straight into the start and 11 and hit the ground running and the truth is that yeah okay you get guys like Kent like that who come along and that's great but not every player is like that most are going to particularly if you're shopping in these markets, you know, like Japan or Costa Rica, it's going to take time for these kind of guys to settle in and get used to the culture, the new environment, the new, the new teammates, the language, everything, you know, so it it does take time. So I I, I did think that was really interesting though. Um, and it maybe gives a a bit of, um, hope to people who have maybe not been particularly impressed with the likes of Neuhoff or Tagawa uh, so thus far,
0: yeah absolutely i think the i think that that's a key thing is for nasa if he wants squad con- uh, squad continuity because again he's he was being involved in heart squads where there was there was massive churn massive turnover in players massive overhaul was just it's hard to build a foundation it's hard to build mm. a uh, kind of team ethos team spirit when you're changing players all the time and he i think he wants it it was like doesn't want to lose much more than the you know, 10%, 10, 15% of players each season, and then the, it's kind of supplement it with the odd sign in with the players coming through the from the academy. And I think you'll see with with Hearts, and it's been noticeable over the last few years, there's been different profiles of signings. you've got guys who are uh, in more in the peak of their peak of their career, you look at look at like Xander Clark and Lauren Shankland and 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 Frankie Kent. And then you've got guys who come from abroad who need time to settle, and you've got younger guys like Lewis Nielsen. And hearts are shopping for mainly shopping for potential. I think guys who are signed who are 25, 26, 27, maybe 28, they'll be guys at that age. You can probably tell that they are, they're earmarked for a, a, a important position straight away they might play they, they might play regularly from off just because they've got that experience they've got that grounding, mm-hmm. and, and they come in and do it like Frankie Kent has and then guys who are 24 and younger I would expect them to in an ideal world for Naismith and Hearts to come in and be a bit part at most just be in the background like he said like, uh, so like Vargas and Nunoz probably two players who probably had to play a wee bit more than maybe what was, uh, what was expected and he did talk about Neunhoff. That was one that's probably raised a few eyebrows in that he praised him a lot. He, I've got the quote-unquote here. Uh, where is it? do do I think somebody who's taken time to Settle, who is progressing, and I think will be a really good player is Callum Neunhoff. He's somebody who'll take the ball anywhere, wants to take control of the game, can get up and down the pitch. He'll be a good player here. He just needs uh, needs time. I I do think that he has played... He's he's played a lot of football. I think he's played the most minutes of uh, all signings except from Frankie Kent. And you read some of his quotes and you probably... (sighs) read between the lines why he's maybe ahead of Cammy Devlin in, in, in the pecking order. I don't think he's been as uh, I, I don't think he's been as um, as consistent and as forceful in terms of what Hearts particularly need in midfield, but it's clear that, not just from there but speaking to Mason before, he, he's, he's a big fan in you know.
1: Oh, he definitely is, yeah. I mean, I, I've not got the figures to hand, but he must have out of the, all the midfielders at Hearts this season, he must have played the most in terms of minutes. So he I just he, think because obviously Benengeli was, was it, had an injury, Larry and Grant have been in and out of the team. Devlin's been out of the team. I think I think it's got to be Nunehoff, and it's got to be Nunehoff by a distance, I would imagine. So I think yeah, that tells you everything you need. You know Smith clearly likes him. He's clearly trusts him. And then like you say, you get that testimonial like that, an endorsement like that, and that just shows that. Nate Swift does really he, he really does believe there's a player in there, you know. And again I, I'm I'm with you where I think that there might there might well be, but I just don't think we've seen it often enough yet. Um and I think while, while Nunehoff's Noonhof's had good games, I don't think there's ever been any games where we've we walked away and went, Oh, Noonhof was absolutely brilliant today. You know, whereas I think most of our players in the squad at some point or another, we've we had at least you know, had at least a few games where we went away and went, Oh, he was great, he was great. Whereas Nunehoff has always been, like, Oh yeah, he was yeah, he was good. Yeah you know what I mean? So I think yeah there's, it's that way where I think there's he can still contribute a lot more. But as you say, I mean, Naismith clearly believes that he can. And you know that's everything. So, I mean, I, I always kind of forget. Noonhoff, he's what, 22? 22, yeah. just I I, checking. Yeah, yeah I, I tend, to, in my head, I've got him down as like 25, 26. I'm always a bit surprised when I try to check his age. I'm like, oh, God, yeah, he's only 22. So, you know, yeah. again, you know, we give people like Vargas leeway. We give Tagawa and Oda leeway, you know, why not? <laughs> Presumably, he deserves it too, right?
0: Yeah, and yeah, I, th- I think it goes back to <laughs> I, it goes back to that point where Neesmith talked about the You I mean, can get away with being inconsistent as a winger or a forward mm. compared to compared to a midfielder. Again, he was, yeah. was signed. Was that a three year deal? It was. I think he was a three year deal. Taga was a four year deal. And, yeah, yeah. Like I said, he's he's twenty two. So yeah, uh, he's he is one of the players we, we've talked about that you want to see to see more from. Just for me, in that because I've watched a lot of them, when Hearts were linked with uh, signing him. I, I spent a wee bit of time on Wiskep and watched a fair bit of them from his time in Australia. And you look, you got excited by him because he was someone who would stride forward with the ball and take it and have a shot at goal, score a couple of screamers, and you're just thinking, right, that's that's the type of player you want from midfield. Um, but again, he might be came in and. Nace might be shaping him into a different player who does like control the ball and is more mm. more supports play and gets involved higher up the higher up the pitch and that could be a, uh, take a wee bit of time to adapt.
1: No, absolutely. You know, we've seen with um, you know, I thing last week I think it was about Benny Benigni about how he's changed about you know when he when he was first signed at Hearts he was like, this brilliant ball winner in midfield and now under Smith he's became this guy he's absolutely a brilliant number six and they're two to very different sorts of roles to very different kind of positions and again. You know, so we've seen that happen in that instance. So I don't see why it couldn't happen again with Nuenhoff. Um Again, he's young, he's still acclimatizing, and he's, to be fair, like I said earlier, he's played an awful lot of football as well. So you'd imagine the more minutes he gets, the faster he'll acclimatize, the more he gets used to you know, the league, the physicality of it, the pace of it, and that can only be a good thing. So yeah, he's definitely one where, um, yeah, it's one of those ones I, I don't always see it with him to be honest, but like have Definitely does, you can tell, Naysomis yes, is definitely a big fan. And
0: before we finish and get on to a couple of uh, the comments, just wanted to bring up the, uh, it was interesting that towards the end of Naismith's presentation, you brought up a lot of stats and he said that they, they use them as an indication. And a lot of them are what kind of stuff that we've used in the past via, uh, like via stats form and kind of just looked at basically the stats back up the heart, So of a good team when they're in their shape and that's when they've got their shape, they're a good pressing team, but they're not a effective pressing unit when the team loses the ball ball high up the pitch or they look to press teams high up the pitch that they're they don't, they don't get as they don't win the ball back as much as, as, as much as they want. And that was a big thing from Nason if he talked about how there's still a lot of work to do in the final third, both in possession and out possession. He he brought up about the like xg per shot basically just said hearts are creating a lot of chances or having a lot of shots but they're low quality so need to do better to work openings and that's something that he believes that that should should happen so i found that encouraging that yes the, the the management team are very much aware that there needs to be improvement in the final third
1: yeah yeah i mean i think it's clear enough for pretty much everyone to see um particularly obviously in possession like we know that it can be a little bit um, pedestrian at times, it can get a bit laboured in the final third when it comes to try to create chances. Um, and mm-hmm. as you say, the stats back it up, you know. Um, there's, there's certainly the, um, you, you know, Hearts fans themselves, you don't need to look at any stats to know that, yeah, Hearts don't really win the ball back in, in the final third because, well, was last time, Hearts had a really well-executed counter-attack. You know, it doesn't really happen. You know, we don't, you know that, that's not the way the team plays. That They don't, and that's because of the system because if you win the five three two, for instance you've basically got you know the two forwards maybe a midfielder maybe a wing back pressing up if the opposition's got the opposition's got more numbers they can just pass it around you so yeah part, part of it probably the team's shape just in that hearts often find themselves at a numerical disadvantage in those areas anyway so it does make life more difficult when you are pressing there are ways around that but it, it means that you're, you're, the way your team presses has to become a lot more sophisticated and you know, as Naysa I've touched on, that does take time. Uh, you know, there's, again, there's no easy fix. It's, I think you start with the basics, and you, you know, it slowly becomes more advanced over time, more sophisticated over time. But, I um, it's one of those things. You, you'd rather that you know, like like most things in in football, you know, you've ever you know sort the defence out, make sure that working right. you know, the, okay, that's working all right. You know, the middle, okay, that's working all right. You know, the, the, you build out from the back. You know, these are yeah. you get the foundations in place, then you add in. The more difficult or intricate parts, and that that seems to be what we're seeing as well. No? Yeah. That seems to be what Naismith's saying.
0: I suppose I'll we'll, uh, kind of bundle these two uh, comments together to to finish with. It was so um, uh, Corbeto Badjo Liam uh, says things like last night mean nothing if we don't win. It's really that simple. And it's uh, and James Govan says did last night we keep believing Naismith was a head coach at Hearts and beyond. So I think yeah, it's. The Fans really only care what happens on Saturday, and that's that's a, that's the a be all or end all. But I do think events like that last, last night help get credit and like credit in the bank, and uh, help um, just help with perception that next seem to do that. There's three hundred fifty fans in that. Uh, in that room, if majority of them are impressed, they'll go back and tell other fans. And they he, he just—I think he just gets that buy-in, which is mm-hmm. important when there is a poor result or there is a, uh, a was there a poor poor run that he's kind of explain these things and it might give fans a better understanding. So yeah, I do th- completely understand. <laughs> get hearts need to win games, and that's all that matters. But I do think stuff like that helps create perception and. um Endears Naismith and management team too uh, to the fans as well. Cause I do think the the fans enjoyed last night. I think it was impressive, um impressive kind of presentation. The QA was all dealt with really well. They didn't like shirk any questions. And then uh, James asked if it didn't make him believe in the was a head coach. I think but last night <laughs> wasn't d- definitive, it was just another kind of like building block, but mm. it's been an impressive few months in Naismith's like first full season as a as a head coach having Come out of, coming um, out, come out, uh, come out of playing, and then coaching in the London League. So I think there's it was just an encourage another encouraging uh, evening to back up what's the, the, the progress that's already happened over the last couple of months.
1: I would have thought so. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't have thought that anyone would have went in there and been like if they were you know if they were loving Naismith and then you know they heard his heard his responses like oh yeah that's great. I don't think there's anyone that would have went in going you know decided to, one, rid of them. I don't think they'd have been convinced either. Is it, you know these kind of nights they are just good, like you say, for helping fans to get and just feel involved in which obviously a yeah. Football club, particularly a fan-owned football club, that's really important. You know, just to have that sense of community, that sense of shared identity, and all that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of <clears throat> like Nathan's coaching chops, um, I, I don't think there's ever been a doubt that he's he, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to like the coaching and tactical side of things. Like you know, obviously he's he's doing his badges. He's got that experience of the lowland league of Hearts. B. I mean, you know, he was working with Steve Clark in Scotland set up for a while as well. You know, and Steve Clark's an absolutely fantastic manager, as I'm sure all, uh, as we can all agree at the moment. You know, things are going great with Scotland, but um, you know, people forget how so Steve Clark's like, you know, played a huge part in that Champions League that Chelsea won in 2012 or whenever it was when he was like, look you know, back at those matches, that was a Clark team. You know, so I'm getting, <laughs> getting the back. Um, but yeah, my point, point is, yeah, you know. He's well-regarded by other coaches in the game. He's got this wealth of experience. He's played under some absolutely wonderful managers throughout his career. And he's always been, as a player, he was always a really intelligent player on the park. So I think that all those things point to someone who understands tactics, who understands the game, who thinks about the game. Um, And I guess, yeah, just nights like Wednesday, that just helps to underline it. You you can go and give a 90-minute presentation about it, and that's just a little snapshot of what's been going on on a day-to-day basis on a week-to-week, week-to-week basis um so yeah i think it maybe um I, I don't think it's really, it's really altered my perception of them, but perhaps there are some fans um who are looking at it and just going um oh you know the ones who maybe were going oh, to have with easy hire, cheap hire.' you know maybe didn't think much of his appointment to begin with maybe stuff like that can help slowly change their minds
0: yeah, I that's, that's I just think I just think it's it was such it's such the was really keen for the event and it's I think it's just such an easy win to get yeah. just get fans on board and just help build that um uh, build that kind of uh, section off them, just get just get buy in just get credit be just involve like you said just involve fans I think that's it's it's a massive help that when like a bad result does does come he's got that wee bit more time we more yeah. maybe fans will have that wee bit more patience which um which i think every manager in the, in the game wants right james i know you have got a uh, plenty to get to get on with so we'll leave it there thank you very much for joining me to discuss that and thank you very much everyone for listening and continuing to subscribe subscribe if you want more detail about the manager event go on to heartstandard.com artstandard.co.uk and it'll be at the top of the site so there's uh, plenty of stuff to get your teeth into in there we'll probably be back tomorrow roughly the same time to look ahead to the spartans match so until then thank you very much and good bye